Welcome back to another episode of Elmi Speaks Our Mind, the Devonshire White Paper. The Devonshire White Paper was a document written in 1923 by the Colonial Secretary Victor Cavendish, the 9th Duke of Devonshire, regarding the status of settlers and natives in the Kenya colony at the time. The paper stated that whenever the interests of the native Africans clashed with those of Asian, European or Arab settlers, those of the Africans should prevail. Although the paper had little effect on the welfare of native Africans, it nonetheless set a precedent for future conflict resolution between the various groups living in the colony. This is actually from the book Kenya, written by Ingham and Kenneth and their colleagues. So without further ado, let's actually just have a rundown of the various effects of the Devonshire White Paper. I'll just go through about 11 effects. Um, however, you can go and research and you can find all the information about it. So none of the three groups were pleased with the outcome of the paper. That is the Asians, the Native Africans and the white settlers. The Asians failed to win equality with the whites. They were denied the right to occupy the Kenyan Highlands. They were given a few representatives, about five on the Legislative Council. The paper was a great disappointment to the Asian community. The white settlers lost their dream of ever controlling Kenya as a racist colony. They had been warned against further advances towards self-rule Kenya, was still under the colonial government in London. They had to shelve the idea for at least some time. The paper confirmed Kenya as a settler colony. This increased the number of Europeans coming in. It also recognized the contributions made by the settler community towards the economic development of Kenya. And that is actually in quotes. It served as a warning towards the settlers and the Indians that their struggle to colonize Kenya would not be acceptable. Kenya was for the Kenyans and their interests were to be given priority. The settlers, after being frustrated politically, resulted to controlling the finance, agriculture, and the industrial sectors. The Africans and the Asians were denied settlement in the Kenyan highlands. The paper had exclusively reserved them for the whites. The giving of the highlands to the whites simulated plantation farming and subsequently the growth of cash crop economy. And that is our focus with coffee. The paper clarified that neither the settlers nor the Asians would gain monopoly in the administration of Kenya whatsoever. The free immigration policy resulted in many Indians coming into Kenya. The paper failed to address the land and labor problems. Africans were continuing to provide labor on settler farms, something they strongly hated and hoped for the paper to address. Due to increased pressure and influx of immigrants, the East African High Commission was established to promote cooperation between Africans, Asians, and white settlers. Asians continued to voice their dissatisfaction against the white settlers. They were not happy with the inequality that the paper had failed to address. They, for example, refused to pay a different tax the white settlers were paying. The paper laid the foundation for future independent struggle of Kenya. Armed groups like the Mau Mau were formed by the Africans to fight for their lost land and independence until it was achieved in 1963. The paper fostered unity among Africans and Asians as it affected them equally. The paper had favored the white settlers against them. The paper exposed the intentions of the white settlers in Kenya. They were after taking over the country and nothing more, nothing less. 
The colonial government started training and educating Africans, a measure that was intended to prepare them for their future responsibilities and independence. Africans started sharing in the running of their country through the native councils in 1931. They were allowed to send representatives to the legislative council. And the first ever African who sat on the board was actually Eliud Mathu, the first African to hold a seat, and it also allowed for the formation of an African party, the Kikuyu Central Association, which presented African grievances to the colonial government. The paper was additionally intended to provide precedent, however, it failed to do so, and thus it kind of explains why the white paper was used by the British government to retain control over Kenyan colonies, and it's cited as one reason why Kenya did not develop as a white minority-ruled country like Southern Africa or Southern Rhodesia at the time. Now that I have presented the information to you, let me give you my two cents. If you do not want to listen to my two cents, then this is a perfect time for you to log off. Thank you for listening. For you who stay on, I think it's kind of funny how you look at the various parties that were triggered or unsettled by the Devonshire White Paper. Because Asians wanted, and still to this day, want to attain the same white privilege. But at the end of the day, we are all people of color. So it, it's kind of funny when I look at it because historically for someone to feel that the paper wasn't fair because they weren't granted the same rights as the whites makes them even worse, I think, in my own opinion. Um, a lot of the complaints that came from the white settlers, the Arab settlers, or even the Asian settlers were very much rooted in a racist predisposition. It is actually just a big tantrum on a very large scale because if there's anyone who needed to be disgruntled or felt that the paper was not fair it really is just for the africans the africans were barred from settling in their own communities in their own homes in their own highlands they were barred from having certain products they were forced to work for free or almost free labor on land that belonged to them. So I would see why the Africans were disgruntled, but I don't see why anyone else felt the need to have this, you know, sort of entitlement um, for the land and the people. With that said, it makes me happy to think that Kenya was actually, later on, by the colonial government in London, were they had the idea to educate and, you know, open training schools for the local Kenyans to take over from, you know, once they leave. But then that's not always the case, as we have seen with Hong Kong in 1997. It almost feels like the British Empire was still hoping that they could remain in Africa. Thank God for the Mau Mau, because they were able to, you know, find a solution and a middle ground. That has been my two cents. 
This is Elmi Speaks Our Mind, an 1111 production. I'll see you next time.